Tonight we have a special privilege to hear from Apostle Dale Armstrong, um, freshly home from Ukraine, so we are really excited to uh, hear the word of the Lord through him. And I want to just set the table a little bit for him as well as for next week. We have the privilege of having Prophet Bob Hawk with us, and he will be ministering. And so, uh, what's, you know, we have the fivefold ministry in, in Ephesians that talks about it, and we have the evangelist, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, and the teacher. And so, I wanted to just real quickly encourage you to, um, that way you're tuned up and ready to receive from the Lord both tonight as well as next week. Because see, I'm not, I don't walk in the prophetic office like Prophet Bob. And um, so what do I mean by prophet or apostle or all these things? Well, each one have their own unique role and function and flow, and I'm not going to teach on that. I'm just saying each one is a gift to the body. And, and in short, to make it the most simplest way possible, an apostle is a sent one. And why do we call him Apostle? Well, because Apostle Dale started this work here in, in Lancaster. I mean, in Titusville and then here. And he was the sent one to Lancaster. He started this work. And so he carries, uh, he, he is an apostle to us in this house. He's not an apostle to the church next door, right? So, but he is to us. And so we receive him as such. Well, uh, Bob Hawk, likewise, um, came. Those of you that are newer with us, you don't realize that uh, the prophet Bob Hawk was here and, and was in this house for a number of years and um, was, was one that the Lord had helped raise up this place. And so um, next week, tonight, I want to give you just a couple key things that, that you can do so that you know how to receive when uh, it's not your normal that pastor that you have that just has a teaching gift. Okay, Any of these can have a teaching gift, but... That's usually how you're used to receiving in this house. You come and you hear teaching and you receive it. Um, if you would, go real quick with me over to Luke chapter 6, or you can put it up on the screen if you don't want to take the time to turn there, because I'm going to go quick. I know that uh, uh, Apostle Dale hasn't preached in a month and a half, and so we, we have a month and a half of sermons coming here in a little bit, so we want to give them as much time as possible. And um, if you'll look in Luke 6 and you look down into verse 46... Um, or 47, Jesus is speaking. He says, I will show you what someone is like who comes, everyone say, comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. So, and then he begins to tell them about the wise man and the foolish man, the wise builder and the foolish builder. Both of them came. So you here tonight, you've come, right? Next week you come. Both of them heard, one acted, one didn't. And so they had two vastly different results. But for you and I, how do you receive from an apostle, how do you receive from a prophet differently than a teacher? You don't. Because the Lord is the one you're receiving from. You come in expectation. You come expecting. You come expecting that the Lord is going to speak to me. He's going he's gonna to show me. So you come in faith. Next, you listen. You listen intelligently. Right? You listen what is the Lord saying. You listen with the intention to do what He's saying. 
And, you know, Jesus said, be careful how you hear. Because you could hear wrong. So you need to hear through the filter of the Word of God. Okay? So, so when you, a prophet speaks to you how, should you, how should you filter it? Well, through the Word. You know, if it doesn't witness to your spirit and it, does, and it violates what the Word says, well, you know, that one isn't right. So you judge that one. That one's not for me. Because we're told to judge prophecies. And yet we receive it if, if it's bearing witness with our spirit, if it's in line with the Word, like the Bereans, right? The Bereans in Acts 17, man, they received the Word with gladness, but they diligently studied to make sure it lined up with Scripture. So that's how you, how you hear through the filter of the Word. And then next is action. These guys built a house, one on sand, one on rock, but faith without works is dead. If we just come and we just hear, but we go away and our ears were tickled and we go, that was nice. We saw the prophet get full of, you know, vim and vigor and shout and jump up and down and that was great. And we saw Apostle Dale come in and do it. Well, wait a minute. How's it impacting you this week? How are you putting it to action? How are you taking what you learned and saying, all right, Lord, how how do I put this in my life? How do I walk this out this week? Okay, so next week I'll talk to you a little bit more about that before Prophet Bob speaks and how to um, be gauging these things in the Word. But tonight, if you would, and uh, just stand up with me, let's honor the gift of God and Apostle Dale as he comes. Good to have you here. Amen. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank You that You are our teacher and our guide tonight and that You open up our eyes and hearts to see and receive what You want to do tonight. Thank You for bringing Apostle Dale home to us. Thank You for meeting every need in his life and giving him a ready word for this night. In Jesus' name and amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, it is good to be home. It's been about a month and a half. And, uh, well, it's been about eight years that the Lord brought us as a church body to a specific place to do specific things and change history. And we live in history. And, uh, you know, you watch movies and you see some war movie or some movie about Churchill and you think about times past and what it must have been like and now we're living in it and everything takes on a new perspective everything's weighed with new priorities but yet on the other hand everything's always the same because God's word never changes amen now, I, I, I was uh, giggling over there because my text is Matthew 7, which is Matthew's portion of what Pastor Sidney just read to us. And I want to talk and begin there as a foundation to everything else we may say tonight. We place a priority on what God says about situations. Amen? We live with the consciousness of always acting upon something God has said. 
What has God said in his word? What has God said to you as a family? What has God told you to do? Amen. Here in Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus is summarizing three chapters of teaching. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, you're here tonight, you're hearing God's word. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and what? Does them. Action. It's not just hearing God's word, but it's putting God's word into practice in a very practical manner, doing God's word, doing God's word. He said, I will liken or I'll compare him to what? To a wise man. Now, I want to really be honest here. He did not say you are a wise man. But you can fake it till you make it. He said, if you'll do what I say to do, you'll be like a wise man. Now, who is the wise man? Jesus is the wise man. Jesus said, a wiser than Solomon is here. Now, if he's the wise man, I want to do what Jesus says to do. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it off, so to speak, and be a wise man. Amen? Now, that's a shortcut to success. There's no other way to say it. Because that wise man has journeyed down a road you haven't journeyed down, but you can learn from him very quickly without having to go down that road. Amen. You see, there's, there's two sides to life and experience and the consequences of life. See, an older person... When I was young, I, I, I didn't have a lot of respect for experience because I, I didn't have any. But I knew the Word was alive. I don't need it. You don't need experience. You can be 12 years old. You don't need experience if you have the Word. You got somebody else's experience. And it's a whole lot more fun to learn from other people's mistakes than your own. Right? So, so you either will have the wisdom of the consequences of life that you, that you act on what God says, or you will eventually have the experience of the consequences of life. A long, long time ago, somebody said to me, you know, um, uh, experience is the, is the best teacher. And, and, I, and I disagree. Following God's Word and submitting to God's word is the best teacher. The Holy Ghost is the best teacher. But if you don't, experience will be the inevitable substitute teacher. <laughs> Amen. You'll get it one way or another. And in, in general, uh, uh, that does happen to us. Time goes by. You stumble on a few things just because you've been around long enough. You know, it's like Christopher Alon was saying to me one day. He said, he said, you know, I never thought we'd end up being generals in the faith just because we're stubborn and lived long enough. It's not like achievement. It's just hang around, right? But while you hang around Jesus, you'll begin to do what Jesus does. And he says, I'll liken that to wisdom or a wise man, right? I want to walk in God's wisdom. We've had a whole series of how many messages on the wisdom of God. Go back and refresh yourself on that. But now he said, 
that wise man builds his house on a rock. See, wisdom will intentionally take the harder route. That's just, it's just wisdom. It's amazing to me when you live in a society like, for example, a Slavic society, for example, like Ukraine, almost nationwide, they have a wisdom that Americans have forgotten. And that is, if you buy quality, it, 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 you, you're actually better off with your money. And, I, and I'll sit and talk to them and they'll, you know, they'll even mention it. Well, you Americans, you buy cheap clothes. And you got to buy more of them. But we'll save our money up and buy quality and take care of it. Now, that's just simple, isn't it? It's just simple. But what is it? It's building your house on a rock instead of taking the easy way. Yeah. See, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anybody, but America has an obesity problem because of this very reason. Because it's easier to eat at McDonald's. The whole industry is based on easy. That's why we call it fast food. When you ought to take the S out. Right? But all I'm telling you is, is there's a principle here that you just got to get a hold of. That wisdom isn't the always the easy route. Now, if you'll get into it, you'll find out that in the end it is easier. It's a whole lot easier because there's a storm coming. But before the storm comes, you say, well, how come you're doing it that way? That's the hard way. Because you know the storm's coming. Amen. So, so experience in this, well, you've never been through a storm. But you don't have to have that experience. You got the words of Jesus. He said a storm's coming. Yeah, well, well, well what's, what's going on? We've never been here before. Well, you've watched enough war, war movies and you've watched enough about Churchill and you read enough in your books. You, you ought to know, but we don't. I mean, all we have to do is listen to the politicians today. And, and, and one of the most common things I've heard is, well, you know, people that don't pay attention to history end up repeating it. Well, what is that? They've not learned the consequences of experience. Right? But see, we have. And there's a reason we have, because we have something greater than, for example, a historical experience. You know, Churchill said one time, one of the, one of the famous things he said, because they all wanted him to, to, to have diplomacy and agree with Hitler, and he just made a statement, you, you, you don't negotiate with a tiger when your head is in his mouth. Well, with Putin blather, blustering around with nuclear weapons and everything, basically we've come to the same situation, but we haven't learned the lesson that, that uh, Churchill tried to tell but he maintained it and he held on. Do you know why he held on to that? Because he was a, a history nut. He, he, was, he studied history. He felt that history had these answers because people have been through these problems before. But friends, you got in your lap something stronger, greater, and more purified than history. Hallelujah. 
We're going to get into it, but what you're holding in your lap has been purified seven times, the Bible says. That's how pure it is. God's wisdom's been distilled, boiled down, all the dross removed. It's pristine. It never fails. It's a sure guide, especially when you don't know what's coming. I don't care that we've never been here before. I've been here before. And I'm staying there. So he said, the wise man will build his house on a rock. And the rain descends. And the floods come. And the wind blows. And beats on that house. And it fell not. Listen, friends. What he's saying here is when it, we get through this, we're the only ones left standing. Amen. It fell not. Why? Because it was founded on a rock. And that foundation time, that, that intentional building time, was long before the storm came. Long before the storm came. Now I learned this pastoring back in Titusville that many, many people, a storm comes into their life of cancer. A storm comes into their life of bankruptcy. A storm comes into their life of a failed marriage. And then they want to get busy. And they want to build their house. But it's raining. It's, a, it's hard to build when it's raining. It's hard to build when the wind's blowing. It's hard to, it, when the flood's there. Now I'm not telling you to give up because we've shored off some floods and we've held some umbrellas over some folks and we've helped slosh some concrete around while it's been raining and, and, and we'll put up a wind barrier or whatever. We'll do everything we can. But it's, a, it's, just, it's just a bit harder. And if you back up and say, you know what? Things do come to us in life. Have I built on the foundation of God's Word where my marriage is, is, is concerned? Have I built on the foundation of God's Word where my finances are concerned? Do I know what God's Word has to say about divine healing and health? Right? Y'all follow me? Because you need to build on that foundation before the storm comes. And I've also found then in that period of time is that if you're careful to follow by the Spirit, the Lord always knows before the storm comes. And if you listen to Him, He'll lead you into it. I was sitting over there December of 2020 worshiping the Lord. John was leading worship. And the Lord told me. I mean, it hit me so strong I sat down in my chair. I just... I couldn't stand up. And the Lord said, prepare for war. I didn't know, how do you do that? I, he gave me two years. That's how gracious God is. He knows when storms are coming. But the principle then is to hook up with what's he saying. What's he saying? And there's two sides to this, friends. I know you've heard these things before, and I trust I'm stirring you up. There's two sides to this. One is, what's written? It is written, Jesus said. 
You, you need to make sure you're acting on what it is written, right? But what has God also spoken to you about? Because if he told you one assignment, don't, don't you ever let go of that one assignment. I learned that lesson so powerfully from a dear brother named Ron Bruce. So simple. He said, I told my son to, to go clean his room and he, and he cleaned up the kitchen and did the dishes. Didn't know why I punished him. Because until you do what I told you to do, everything you do is in disobedience. Until you do what I told you to do, everything you do, no matter how good it is, is in disobedience. See, what's God told you to do? So I said, well, I, I don't know what God's told me to do. Well, that's your first problem. Because he's talking. Well, I don't know. God doesn't talk to me. Well, you got a problem. If I go home and my wife don't talk to me, I have a problem. Something ain't right. And usually it's me. You women still ain't got it. I give you so many opportunities to shout and to jump up and down. And you just let them go on by. I, I mean, I'll leave you wide open. It's honoring your husband. Oh, she's sharp. She's really good. She's getting it. No, we need to cultivate that relationship with the Lord that we know we're doing what God told us to do to the best of your ability. The amazing thing is, is that when your motive is right and you're walking in the Spirit, and, and I'm, 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 I'm serious about this, that to the best of your ability, you, you're doing what you believe to be the will of God. He's smart enough to correct you if you're not. It's in those situations where I've had the Lord tell me. He said, son, the th your mistakes are more profitable than what some people do on purpose. And I'm like, how can that be? Because the mistakes I made, I made out of a good heart. I believed I was doing what the Lord told me to do. And he just kind of smiles and helps you get along. Amen? But eventually, you, 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 you'll find that highway. You'll, you'll find that foundational principle of what you need to work on hard. See, I want to emphasize this. Because God tells you to do something and it's easy. Probably wasn't God. I heard Gloria Copeland say that one time. How come everything God tells me to do is impossible? Because He's an impossible God. That's why God doesn't say go mow the lawn. You ought to be bright enough to figure that one out yourself. Or go hire some boy to do it if you're really smart. Amen. But God tell you to do something that you can't do. Now you've got to go build yourself a foundation. Now you've got to dig in and find out, okay, how do I do this? And so you're building on this rock before the storm comes. But then the storm does come. But it has no effect on you. That means inflation has no effect on you. That means unemployment has no effect on you. That means plagues and everything else has no effect on you. I guess maybe I'm the only one excited tonight. You better look out. Bob Hawk's coming. You, you, gonna, you gonna, can't shout with me. You better learn to shout between now and next, next Saturday night. Amen? So, so then verse 26. 
And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a what? So you want to be a wise man or you want to be a fool? See, to hear God's word and not do it, Jesus said you're a fool. There might be other elements involved, rebellion. You might just be lazy. But Jesus summed it up with this word. You're just, you're just a fool. Now, why would you be a fool? In this case, because the storm's coming. See, some people, you can't talk about the storm because they get off into fear. Only fools fear storms. The man who's walking in wisdom understands he knows how to build against the storm. You're made for storms. Amen. I mean, it took me a while to gra- grab a hold of that. I, I, I was sitting in a stoplight in Titusville. And I was bawling to God because I was a fool. I'd gotten a little bit of extra cash. Probably you never had this happen. Got a little extra cash in my pocket and the refrigerator broke. And all this little extra cash just went zoop out to fix the refrigerator. And I'm sitting there bawling. How come every time I start to get ahead, something bad happens? And I'm bawling to God. I know you never did that before. And the Spirit of God rose up inside me. Said the promise to meet your needs is also a promise you'll always have needs. I never saw that before. But my God shall supply all your needs. Guess what? You just got a promise of always having a need. And if you ain't got one tonight, see me after the service. I'll give you a few. (laughs) Half your problem is your needs aren't big enough. You don't know how much you need. You think you need this. You need a whole lot more. Especially missions. And this is a missions church. Missionaries have the smallest budget. You, you don't just need 18 grand for Ghana. You need 38 or 58 or 78. Don't allow those things to push you down. You don't know what you need is. Whew. Glory to God. I remember when I used to bawl before the Lord because I needed $800 a month for radio. Dear Lord, I wish that's all I needed. (laughs) That'd just be sweet. I used to lay on the carpet with crocodile tears, believing God for $800 for radio. Wouldn't that be nice if that's all we needed? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But things get stretched. You get stretched. But you're you're not the same. Don't be a fool. And because the storm's coming, some people, they say, well, a storm's going to come. I'm not going to build it up. Well, you're a fool. Because storms are coming. But we're the only ones left standing. This is God's system to get rid of fools. <clears throat> Just let that sit for a while. Used to be a whole bunch of videos out there of the Darwin Awards. You ever see the Darwin Awards? How the gene pool kind of selectively purges itself of fools. Well, right here is the Darwin Awards in the Bible. 
You're a fool. You don't build before the storm comes. The storm will come. Say, oh, Pastor Dale, do you think it's bad? Yeah, it's bad. Is it going to get worse? Yep. What should we do? Believe God. How's that changed? He didn't say he's going to meet all your needs so long as gas stays under $5. Amen. You just believe God. He can multiply gas in your gas tank. He can turn water into wine. He can, he can turn it into, yeah, crude oil. <laughs> Amen. No, I, I know you know these things, but it's important that we stir ourselves up. I've had to stir myself up. My life's built on a rock. It's not, it's not built on feathers. I ain't, I ain't bending when the wind blows. Amen. So the rain descended. This foolish man built on the sand. He took the easy route. The rain descended. The floods came. The winds blew, beat on that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Disasters come to people's lives, not because of that moment of impact, but because of what did not happen before. That's why I'm so blessed that how prepared we are and what God's done in this body. In 2014, He led us supernaturally into areas of support. I, I don't even know, I don't even have the vocabulary to explain how this church, this ministry, and, and yes, myself, stepped into a Joseph type ministry, a Daniel type ministry into a, a nation still baffles my mind. And for seven years, I, I obeyed the Spirit of the Lord, financed by this body. We're tied in together in this. Can't do it by myself. I mean, one of the first miracles is that God sent Sid and Jen when He did so that I could step into what God had for all of us, and he could step into what God had for him, and that continues all the way down to today, right? And, and, and when the Lord spoke to me in March 8th, 2014, go to Kiev and speak to the president, I had no idea that in a short span of time, Ukraine only has six presidents. I've met four of them. And you can't do that in the natural. And I hope you understand when I, even when I talk about it. It ain't because I'm special. It's because God said do it. And was it easy? No. This is the hardest seven years of my life. Hardest seven years of my wife's life. But I'm telling you right now, we build on a rock. Blow all you want, wind. Because I had seven years of dress rehearsal. Oh, Brother Dale, is it World War Three? Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. Ain't no doubt about it. Oh, what are we going to do? Be victorious. It's pretty simple. It's like I heard Kenneth Copeland say one time when he was up learning how to fly and the engine went out on the plane. Copeland said, what are we going to do? And the instructor said, we're going to land. 
<laughs> I mean, that's your option. <laughs> You're just not going to stay up there all day. Oh, Dale, what are we going to do? We're going to walk in the Word of God like we've always walked in the Word of God. We're going to do what we know to do because we've been taught to do what we know to do. It's in His Word. You think, you, you think this generation is the only generation that went through a war? You think there weren't any Christians went through World War II? You think there weren't any believers went through World War I? Oh, Brother Dale, I'm starting to get afraid. Well, then quit being a fool. I don't have time. You don't have time for fear. There ain't no time for fear. You got any fear, you better go look at the foundation and start chinking up a little bit. Because ain't no fear here. Perfect love casts out fear. I'm walking in love. I don't know about you. Yeah, but I, uh, but, 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 what, but, you know, what about our jobs? What about our future? Your future's always been the same. Ain't you going to heaven? I thought you was all going to heaven. And I ain't looking to work up a busload tonight, but it still ought to be your goal. Amen. Oh, what if they drop the nuclear bomb? Well, what if you get hit by a greyhound? Has it any different? You're going to go be with Jesus. What you worried about the mechanism for? Amen. I ain't saying you're going to go out and get hit by a greyhound. I ain't saying they're going to drop a nuke on you either. All I am saying is keep your eyes on Jesus and don't fear. Which in a large part just means turn off some of them idiots. Especially those gullible, stupid Christians that think Putin's a Christian trying to purge the Ukraine. Don't even let them within fist distance of me or I'll lose my sanctification. (laughs) What do you think about that, Pastor Dale? I don't think about it. It's too stupid to think about. Just want to make all that clear. Amen? All right, let's go to Psalms. No, no, let's go to Galatians uh, 6. You see, in the midst of all this, we practice the Word. I've always enjoyed following the Spirit where people are concerned. I remember back in 14 or 15, I forget when it was, and I was all caught up in doing big things and... I had to get up and go on. I was on my way to a big meeting, meeting somebody, Lord knows who, and some general or some this or that, I don't remember, but I had to go through this underpass underneath the street up to the other side, and as I was down there, a lot of homeless sometimes will sleep under there, you know, and as I come down there, I looked and there was a man sitting on the floor, and you know, he's, he's sleeping. And had his back up against the wall. And here I am on my way to do something important. And the Spirit of God comes on me. And the Lord said, buy him a train ticket. That's what I love about Jesus. Because it's always about people. Don't, you can't let that go. So I remember, I mean, he's sleeping. I walked up, kicked the bottom of his shoe. He come awake, looked at me. He wasn't no beggar. He didn't have any hat out. He, he wasn't, you know, didn't have any little sign. A lot of them do. He just asleep. 
I kicked the bottom of his shoe. I said, God told me you need a train ticket. Said it in English. He jumped up, started crying. He knew English, needed a train ticket. Isn't it good to know in the midst of all hell breaking out all over the place, wars and bombs and people dying, God cares about some boy sleeping under a street. Oh, that's my Jesus. Amen. I was standing with some guys the other day. It started raining and it was snowing and then raining and snowing and raining. It was cold in Lviv about a week ago. And we, we had to get back to, to you know, you got to go home because it's curfew. I don't know if you understand martial law and curfew. But uh, there's so many Russian uh, infiltrators into these cities, blowing things up and, and running down the streets in the middle of the night. The only way they could get rid of them was they declared curfew. And if you're not inside at 10 o'clock, they got snipers on the roof. You're dead. Now, some of the cities further back from the, the front fighting, they'll be a little bit more merciful. But you get arrested. But in Kiev, for example, you're out at 10.01, the sniper's going to drop you. So you get home. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tremendous motivator. And so, so we're on our way home. It, you know, you, can, you ain't going to be out after curfew. And uh, we're standing under this, this awning. And I look over and we're talking. There's three of us. And uh, another American and then this young man, Gleb. Pray for Gleb. He's helping me. And uh, we're, we're talking in English. And I look over and there's two women and, and two kids. And one, and, the, and one kid, a little boy, I, he, I can tell he's listening to us. You know, sometimes you can just tell they're listening to the English. And I looked at him, kind of smiled. He's probably about as far away as Alan. And I, I smiled at him. And, and, and when I looked at him, he, he'd come up like a little bit of a, of a live. And then I'd turn away, you know, and he'd sink. And I'd look at him again. And he's, you could tell he wanted to communicate. So I looked at him long enough. And he, he says, where are, you, where are you from? I said, I'm from America. Where are you from? He said, Ukraine. And his mom didn't speak any English. His little sister didn't speak any English. The other woman, I don't know really who she was. She didn't speak any English. But this little boy, he's speaking English. And it just warmed my heart. And I said, but what city in Ukraine? And he got a little serious. And he said, Kharkov. Well, Kharkov's half destroyed. Leveled. My heart went out to him, you know. And uh, so now what are you going to do? You're going to act on a word. So you can't get just up into the clouds all the time. So I walked over and started talking to him. Interpreter came on. And I said, what's your name? He said, Dima. I said, Dima, do you know what the word promise means? He said, I think so. I said, Dima, I want your promise. He said, why? I said, I want you to promise me you're going to study English every day until you speak it perfectly. And you're going to go to college. And you're going to get an education. You're going to get a good job. And you're going to take care of your mom and your sister. He had tears running down his face. He said, I promise. 
So I took some cash and I put it in little Dima's hands and prayed for Dima. We're just going to keep building foundation. We're going to keep being who we are. Do you know you're a follower of Jesus? Oh, you can get on TV and watch all the YouTube and all the prophetic stuff and all this and all that. And I keep you here till four in the morning spellbound. But I ain't going to let you forget that we walk in love. That we're lights in this world. And we're going to do the gospel. And sometimes it's not easy. But when the wind comes and the rain comes, we're the only ones left standing. You in Galatians yet? Verse 7. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Did you know the Bible tells you what not to be deceived about? Did you ever think about that? It tells us. James says one of the areas that people are deceived is about the nature and the character of God. They think God's bad. Don't be deceived. God's good. That's why I always want to make sure people's theology is accurate. God is good. The devil's bad. You got that right? See, it'll set you straight for the rest of your life. God is a good God. And that's what the devil wants to deceive people about. And they'll do all kinds of things. Oh, until God's the author of war. Or God's the author of this or that. God's out to stop war. Go read your Bible. And, if, and, and one way to stop the war is to win. We're going to win this war. I'm going to preach the gospel in Moscow again. I'm telling you right now in Jesus' name. So, don't be deceived. What is it here in Galatians 6 that people are deceived about? He goes on to say, God's not mocked. You're not going to pull a fast one on God. How can you mock God? You know what mocking is, right? You know, you look at somebody like Jacob and you say, oh yeah, tough guy, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, you're a tough guy, uh-huh, yeah, right. Well, I'm mocking him. Right? That's mocking. It's taking an aspect of his character, making fun of it, Acting as if it's not so. Well, what is it where people mock God? Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. People act like it ain't true. Oh, yeah, right. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Uh huh, not in my life. I'm going to get away with it. My, my mouth's my own, my future's my own. I'm not going to suffer the consequences of actions like other people. See, I'm. I'm, I'm different. This is a different generation. And you're mocking God. And God says, hmm, no. What you sow, you're going to reap. That's why the little demons in this world, you better minister to them. That's why the guy's sleeping under the bridge and God says to you, get him a ticket. You better get him a ticket. Because you, you ain't going to pull this over on God because God set it up. Seed time and harvest, earth, sun, moon. It's all there. 
And, and until it's gone, seed time and harvest works. And it'll work for you or it will work against you. But, but we're the only ones left standing. Because we're working it. Working it in the positive manner. I had a, a flight companion on the way from Detroit to Harrisburg Thursday night. I, I had to get home by Thursday because my beautiful bride and I got married 30 Eight years ago? On Thursday. Somebody said, why'd you come home, Pastor Dale? Not for you. <laughs> I came home for her. Yeah. And uh, God bless her. She sacrificed more than I have in all this. Well, I'm on the flight. I've, I've been traveling 30-some hours, I guess. I can't even add it all up. And I'm tired. So from Detroit to Harrisburg, it's hard to keep my eyes open. And I had this ex-Marine. He's, he's probably five years older than me, but he, he, he used to be a Marine. And he basically, they had to shoehorn him into the seat. And it's a small plane anyway, you know. I mean, and I'm kind of like this. And he's just there. And I smiled at him and I said, I said, it's times like this, I thank God I'm small. We started talking a little bit, and I'm tired. So I said, I'm fading fast, friend. I said, uh, I said, do me a favor. You don't leave any man behind. I said, if I fall asleep, don't leave me on this plane, all right? You, <laughs> you don't leave anybody behind. He started laughing. He said, he said, just yesterday, this old man, he must have been about 80 years old, said the same thing to me. I, I came into the hotel and, and I got my, my, my luggage and I go to the elevator and the elevator's broke. My room's on the fourth floor and there's no elevator. And uh, he's talking about traveling and business. And he said, I got to walk up four flights of stairs. He said, I get up two flights of stairs and there's this old 80-year-old man and his wife trying to bring two suitcases up and they look like they're going to fall over and die. <laughs> and I, and I, I said, here, let me help you. So I put my stuff down and carried their stuff up and and, 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 he, and he said, then I found out he was an ex-Marine. Ain't leaving nobody behind. And so he's telling me all this. And I looked at him and I said, I said, you know what? I said, when you're 80 years old, there's going to be somebody carry your luggage. He got real quiet. And he said, you know, I believe that. Well, of course you do. Why? Because it's in our DNA. It's in our life. It's in our universe. You ain't going to mock God. You ain't going to get away with it. What you sow, you're going to reap. Now, what do you sow? That's why we're going to make it through. No matter what this war, no matter what this economy, no matter what this presidency, no matter what this immoral generation, no matter what any of these odd things perform, we are the last ones standing. Because we know how to work it. He goes on and he says, you getting anything out of this thing? Yes, sir. He that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. What do you sow? Somebody said, well, I sow my money. No, you don't. Your money 
is, is how you release your faith. Your money is how you sow to the Spirit. But you're not sowing the money. See, a greedy person can give more money than you do, but they're not going to get blessed by it. What you're sowing comes from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, man speaks. Out of this sowing to the flesh, you'll of the, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. See, a greedy man can use his money and try to open a door with it, and it'll backfire on him. Why? Because he's sowing to the flesh. He's sowing to carnality. He's sowing to his ego. He's sowing to the dictates of the flesh and not the spirit. But another man, he'll, he'll sow to the spirit just, just a, a little train ticket for somebody. Right? Are, are, you, are you following me? Because in that, it's not measured in amounts. It's not measured in money. It's measured in the spirit of it, of what God's asked you to do. And God will ask you to do a whole lot of stuff He ain't asked me to do, because you're tougher than I am. And he, he, He'll ask you know, somebody else to do something completely different than He'd asked me, because you're more handsome than I am. How come you just said amen? <laughs> that was the wrong time to say amen, brother. <laughs> but he that sows to the Spirit, he'll reap life everlasting. Zoe life. So let us not, verse 9, let us not be weary in giving money. No, 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 no. No, no, Jesus said, here's a wise man, he hears my word, and he gives money. No, what's Matthew 7 say? He hears my word, and he what? Does them. Now, one of the things we do is give money. But there's a whole world of well-doing that's based out of the Spirit and the Spirit prompting you to build a foundation that He ain't prompting me. He's prompting you. Right? And, and you don't get weary about it. Well, you know, I've been doing what God told me to do for 20 years. And I don't know. Well, that's, that's what Abraham said. But he got Isaac, didn't he? Amen? Don't let go of what God has spoken to you. Don't become weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. There is a due season when you will reap. Amen. Do you notice he said, he didn't say, in due season you're going to survive and get through it? No, you're going to reap. You know, more millionaires are, are made through wars than any other economic reset. There's rewards. There's, don't get so overcome with fear and change that you fail to remember that He changes not. He's the same. He loves you. As we have therefore opportunity, say opportunity. See, do you hunt opportunities? Oh, how come God asked me to do this? 
Well, if you approach it as, oh, God asked me to do something, you're going to approach that whole thing with the wrong motivation. But if God asks you to do something and you approach it as an opportunity, your whole motivation changes. What are the motivations? Sowing to the flesh or to the spirit. Isaiah said, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the fruit of the land. I'll never forget, I heard Kenneth Hagin preach on that. And he was broke. And he asked the Lord, he said, your word says, if you're willing and obedient, I'll eat the fruit of the land. And he said, Lord, I've been obedient to do what you told me to do. And the Lord said, you have. You've been very obedient, but you have not been willing. He, and Brother Hagin said, I'll never forget, he said, I got willing in, th in three seconds. Because <laughs> I want to do the will of God. I joy in the will of God. Amen. Now go with me. We, we'll, we'll start. Oh, no, we got to. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are the household of faith. I want to I want to emphasize this because it's it's been really, really on my heart. I had the privilege. Thirty years ago. Of meeting some pastors in Ukraine. I was, I was with several of them not long ago. I've known them 30 years. That's longer than I've known Sid. Some of you have seen on the news where in the city of Mariupol there was an th opera theater full of children and the Russians bombed it and destroyed it. Many children were, were killed. Had children written all over the sidewalks and the roof, marked. And they, they killed him. 1993, I preached my first sermon in Ukraine in that building. And uh, it's kind of surreal. And I sit and I meet with these men that I've known, like I said, for 30 years. Bruce Latibu, I took him, uh, when Bruce was my assistant, I took him to Mariupol. And I uh, went with one of these pastors, Gennady Mohenko, Mohenenko. And Gennady had an orphanage where he was taking homeless children that were living under buildings like rats. And uh, he had a policeman in his church, so they got special permission from the government to literally kidnap these kids, bring them into the orphanage, shave their heads and and, and give them a shower and clean them up and put them in with other kids so they wouldn't be so afraid and, and, and try to keep them from run, running away. This is back in the 90s. Bruce got his vision for uh, CRI underneath one of them buildings in Mariupol, which is being bombed tonight. Over 100,000 people right now are sleeping in basements and bomb shelters in Mariupol. And a lot of them are dying tonight. And I sat with some of these pastors. And this is what I'm bringing all this up to. These are the guys I'm helping. The household of faith. This is the ones I want to empower. I sat with Gennady. And he talked about how his, his mother is... Uh, Handicapped, lived in the third floor of the building, and the rocket hit her, her, her floor, brought the whole building to the ground. His mom's in heaven. 
He went on to talk about his daughter who lived in the suburbs, lived in a separate house, something like you might live in, a little bit prosperous, tank rolled up the street, a turret moved, blew the whole house up, lost his daughter. Gennady looks at me, tear going down his face, but he says, I'll weep when it's over. We've got to bring people out. So they loaded up three buses. They went into Mariupol. They had to go through 14 Russian checkpoints and bribe them that they were there to do something good. They weren't soldiers. They were going in to rescue people and bring them out. 14 different places where they would, where many others would be killed. They loaded up three buses. It's about 70 people in each bus. They, they, they start coming out. And uh, they blew up two of the buses. 140 people were dead. But they got 70 out. Turn around. After they shared that with me. By the way, we got them people out. We helped. Your money. Turn around and they sent another bus the next day. And it was Gennady's son driving it. Got some more out. On and on. I mean, I'll, teach, I'll keep you here till three in the morning. It's been busy. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's probably not the right route to go because it's that word that doesn't change. It's that word. I sit there and looked at Gennady and I think, I can empower this man. He's, this, this is the household of faith. I don't need to worry about Red Cross or this or that. I got a friend. He runs Red Cross in Ukraine. I ain't helped him. I've, I've talked to him. I like him. Took him to church once. He's a great, great guy, Andre. But it's a household of faith right now. The church is ministering in Ukraine like you, you can't even imagine. I got approached by the government and uh, both the Ukraine and the American government Went to lunch with the guy. He said, I got a memo of understanding with the Ukraine government to rescue orphans. And they said, you might be able to help. I said, well, what do you mean? What do you need? He said, well, there's orphans everywhere. We need to bring them out of the battle zone. I said, what do you... I said, you're nuts. I said, where's the orphans? I said, there's Christians in those cities. You think they left the orphanages there? I said, they're already out. Oh, how do you know that? I said, because I know Christians. I said, there ain't no pastor running away from his city and leaving kids in the orphanage. If they can get out, they're out. So I started making phone calls. There's one pastor and his wife in Odessa that single-handedly are responsible for evacuating over 9,000 children with no outside help. Not a dime from us. And I think it's a crime. I mean, it breaks my heart. It's like people like that, I want to... What do you need? I can't do it. I've been there, I've been there for, since 1993. I still don't have what they have. Culture, language, know-how. It's their country. So that's why we're focusing on this household of faith. Amen? Amen. Go with me and we'll close the Psalms 12. So I did bend over backwards to help this fella. He's got all this money behind him. 
And uh, we were able to help get 46 kids out from an area they'd already been evacuated to, to a better area. So praise the Lord for that, right? But 9,000? <laughs> Glory to God. There, there's, there's people just doing, what would you do? Same thing they do. They love on one another. You got a car? Well, let's use it. Yeah, let's go. Amen. Why? Because you're acting on the Word. See, the world doesn't understand that. I had a group, I'll give you another example. I had a group of Americans that paid $40,000 to hire former paramilitary security experts to drive four vans from Lviv to Zaporozhye to deliver medicine and then bring people and evacuate them out. And they wanted me to help. Well, in the, in the beginning, if they'd have done what I told them to do in the beginning, they probably could have helped a little bit. But everything wasn't perfect, so they wanted to wait. And then it became three days, then it's seven days, and ten days later. And they paid these people $40,000. Well, in that period of time with no money, Jay stumbles on some farmer in the middle, some Mennonite missionary in the middle of Ukraine, and he's got, what, 40 tons of potatoes? <laughs> we, got, we got all this going on just within the, the, the country where believers are helping, and you don't have to pay them $40,000. And you don't have to have a paramilitary security degree to drive a truck when you got some 18-year-old Mennonite, Jeff Stoltzfus, just going wherever God tells him to go because he's bold enough to go. And he might be nuts, but then you got every other grandpa in Ukraine moving and shaking and just doing it. So we're going to continue to empower those people. And as far as the $40,000 security monkeys in a suit, uh, we're helping them too. I am, you know, I, that's what I call them. I said, you know, that's right. Oh, they, they, uh, they call me pastor. I said, that's right. And some of them say, oh, you're that pastor. I am that pastor. Psalms 12, are you there yet? Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, and the government's full of idiots. That's not in your translation? Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. See, generations go through cycles and you have a choice. See, you didn't go through the Great Depression. You had a choice to learn from your grandfather or not. And I didn't. Some of you got that. Some of you are too young. You don't even know what the Great Depression is or was. See, those cycles of generations, they turn. And you, you have a choice to learn from the former generation. But generally, we don't. Human nature wants to be independent. Human nature wants to discover itself. Human nature wants to say, oh, this is a new generation. These are new things. Ain't nothing new under the sun. They've been weirdos from the beginning. <laughs> Homosexuality is not new. 
Perversions aren't new. Wanting to be free is not new. Wanting to have six women as your own wife, that's not new. Right? There's nothing new in it. The only thing new in it is refusing to learn from the consequences of experience. But if it, so, so everything falls apart. Help, Lord. The godly man ceases. There's nothing but fools around here. And it's not hard to see it. You turn on the TV and, you, and we look at our leaders and we think, where do they get this? How'd they lose common sense? Well, I'll tell you how, because they never build on a rock. One of the things is it helps us to wake up to realize how much wisdom we've really tapped into. That we're walking on principles that are time-tested because they're principles of God. In fact, he goes on to emphasize how time-tested they are. See, these people where the faithful fail among the children of men, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, with a double heart they speak. So what are they doing? They're mocking God. He goes on to say, well, they, the Lord will cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things who have said, with our tongue will we prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? You do have a Lord. His name's Jesus. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety. From him that puffs at him. So God is guaranteeing. Don't worry. This storm has come. Generations have failed. People have let go of common sense. The, the fool has gotten into authority and power. We've got idiots in government. We've got all of these things happening. Shameful things, guys. Come on. But don't worry. We're the last ones standing. We're, there's always the purge. There's always the winnowing. Psalms 1 talks about it. The, the, the unrighteous cannot stand in the presence of God. But we do. We're the last ones standing. Why? Because of this last verse. 6, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. See, when Jesus said, take what I say and do it, He's talking about things that work. This works. You might look at, at some, some preacher. You know, I know I did when I was young. I say, I could see God's Word working in Copeland. Well, that was a good testimony. But it goes beyond Copeland. This Word works where Copeland might fail. Where I might fail. Where you might fail. It don't matter. That word in your lap has been purified. All the dross taken off. Seven times. This testimony does not fail. And I'm going to act on that word. It says that a soft answer turns away wrath. And I don't want to give a soft answer. I won't break his nose. That's what I want to do. It's easier to break his nose than to give a soft answer. Because I'm pretty sure I can take him. Armstrong, that's right. 
But you have to recalibrate your thinking. You, ha you have to change your way of thinking to think these thoughts after God. Because they're pure thoughts. They're pure ways. And they always work. And a soft answer turns away wrath. And that's just, I'm just catching one verse out of the air. There's a whole Bible full of wisdom that if you act on it, you know what, Jesus? He'll look at you and say, there's a wise one. You say, yeah, well, I'm not sure of the way. Yeah, but if your motive's right and you're so into the Spirit, your, your, your way is right. And He'll help you. He'll correct you. He'll bring a revelation to you. He'll have somebody walk up to you with a stack of tapes. I remember when I, was, I went to Ramah, and I went early, and I wanted to learn how to pray. I, didn't, I knew I wasn't getting answers to prayer. I knew I needed to learn how to pray, and I, and I ain't going to wait till the fall when Bible school starts. I want to learn how to pray. I had a desire to pray. I cried out to God, teach me how to pray. And I'm a stranger in a, in a service at Bob Yandian's church. Had to be a couple thousand people. And a complete stranger walked up to me with 12 tapes by a guy named Dave Roberson. And a guy walks up to me and he says, I saw you last week and the Lord told me to give you these cassette tapes on prayer. Do you want them? <laughs> yeah, I want them. I wore those tapes out. Well, see, see, there's my point. Is you're so, you sow to the Spirit. Your heart motivation, your desires to do I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to pray. But I want to pray. Well, here's 12 tapes. Try that. See, God will just assist you when you get headed in the right direction. He said, but I don't know how to do the impossible. Just start heading in the right direction. I don't know how to build that foundation on the rock. Just pick up a hammer. You got to start somewhere. You take that step and, that mo and you get that motion moving in that direction. I, I don't know how to do what I'm doing. Somebody, I don't know how I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't care to know how. Then I might think I know what I'm doing. I'd rather stay dependent on the Spirit. I'd rather recognize I'm stupid. But I can be stupid but walk in wisdom. Because somebody's been here before. His name's Jesus. I'm going to close with, I don't know if that's Kiev time or U.S. time, don't matter. I had the privilege, Terry and I had the privilege of pastoring a World War II veteran by the name of Al Wyant. And uh, Al went through five beachheads during World War II. I wish Al was here. I'd like to ask him about war. But I'll never forget, on a Thursday night, I had him teach. And Al was really funny because when he would teach, he'd take a microphone and he used it like a Catholic uh, uh, anointing thing. He'd get to preaching. And Jesus said, and if you got near the little ball, you'd get hit in the head with it. It's like, ow, you know, I kept having to bring it back, you know, but his voice would fade. It wasn't a point and stick. I always liked that about him. He was in his 70s. And on Thursday night, he got up and he started talking about his first beachhead. 
He was a raw green soldier. And they're in them little tubs. Some I forget what you call those kinds of boats, but the front flaps down and you run out on the beach. Well, as they're moving across the water, he's all the way in the back by the driver. Feeling pretty good because he's in the back. And all this fear fills that little boat. Because they're heading into what they can hear and, and see the enemy fire. Fear. Now, Al wasn't born again. This is what's amazing to me. I'm sure it was his, his mama's prayers. But all of a sudden, in the middle of all this fear, and men vomiting around him in fear, and all, all these spells, and all this horror, he has this thought. I don't know what to do. Someone has to have been through this before. And he, and he, and he got to looking around, and there was one guy, there was one veteran in the boat who'd been through a beachhead. And he wasn't standing in the back. He was standing at the front. And when Al saw that, he said he, said he made a decision. I'm going to do whatever that man does. That man's been through it. I'm going to do what that man does. So the first thing he's got to do is get to the front. So he starts pushing through the crowd. And I forget, Al said he thought, he thought he'd never make it. But as soon as people realized he wanted where he was going, they let him go. <laughs> he said he went, whoop, he got pushed to the front. Because they all wanted to go back. And he's standing there next to that one guy. And he's watching him. He said, I'm going to do what that guy does. He's been through this before. It's pretty simple, isn't it? It's Matthew 7. Jesus said, you hear what I say, you do what I say, you're going to be like a wise man. Well, here's Al. Here's this veteran. I'm going to do what he does. I'm going to be wise. He's, he, he, he made it once. So as they got closer to the beach, Al said he, he didn't know what to do because what, what the first thing the guy did is he pulled out his K-bar knife. You know, they're about an eight-inch blade. I got one. And he pulls out this knife. How come you're going to run at German machine gun nests, pillboxes, with a knife? That don't make sense. See, sometimes right there is where we miss it. You, you think you're qualified to figure out what you're supposed to do. God tells you to do something, you do it. He pulled out his knife. He'd already made the decision. I'm going to do what he's going to do. He's been through it. I ain't been through it. You, you don't know everything, do you? So, Al pulls out his K-bar knife. Let's go after the machine guns with my knife. But it wasn't for the machine guns. They got close and that gate went down and the bullets come whizzing at them. That man, and I was watching him, takes that K-bar knife and runs it underneath the straps of his backpack, cuts it through, and 60 pounds falls off his back. You can run faster. And so the objective wasn't to stand up strong and get hit. The objective is to get up the beach. 
So now he understands, and he's running up the beach. And he's following this guy. He makes it to a, a place where there's a little bit of safety from the enemy fire. And he, he's, he's suffering this loss of what he cut off. You know, his food, his supplies, his ammo, his sleeping bag, whatever he's got in there. But he turns around and sees all these dead bodies behind him with these 60-pound packs. He figures, I'll pick something up. See, he had to cut something off. See, it's not always easy to build a foundation. It's not always adding something to your life. I really felt earlier today I needed to emphasize this. We do a lot of adding in the body of Christ. I got to learn something new. I got I to receive something from God. How about you get rid of a few things? How about you clean out some addicts? How about you lay aside some, some unnecessary weights and you, you crucify some sins that easily beset you so you can run with patience the race that's set before you? Are, are you all here? Or are you going home? No. Say, well, yeah, I've been working on that. Yeah, well, you better get that foundation because the storm's coming. See, it's not always what you give. Sometimes it's what you forsake. It's not always what you give. Sometimes it, it, it's what you give up. Amen? But I'll tell you this right now. You ain't forsook nothing. You ain't forsook nothing compared to what you get. It's like the old fellow testifies, well, I got saved. I gave up cigarettes to get saved. <laughs> yeah, you gave up suicide sticks so you could get saved. You gave up real bad body odor so you could get saved. You didn't give up nothing, did you? You got something. But we forsake by obedience. He he, he did what that guy did, and he, and he lived, and he went through five beachheads. Five of them. Can you imagine that? Average lifespan was something like 65 seconds. And I asked him, I said, Al, I said, when you, jumped off, when you jumped down into the water and you started running up the beach, I said, come on, what was in your mind? What was you thinking? You had to be thinking something. How do you keep the fear? He wasn't even a believer. Now, he got saved after I said, what, what were you thinking? I'll never forget it. He said, I always was thinking the same thing, like a, like, like a repeating record in my head. He said, I stood there before that gate would come down, and I'm, I'm thinking these thoughts. Somebody's going to make it, and it's going to be me. I've never forgotten that. Somebody's going to make it, and it's going to be me. And he ran up that beach with that thought in his mind. Somebody's going to make it and it's going to be me. Oh, Brother Dale, do you think times are going to get tough? Yeah, but somebody's going to make it. And it's going to be me. Might not be you, but it's going to be me. <laughs> you better pull that spirit to yourself. Somebody's going to make it. It's going to be me. Somebody's going to get healed. It's going to be me. Somebody's going to get a new business. It's going to be me. 
Somebody's going to be blessed. It's going to be me. Somebody's going to do that great exploit for God. It's going to be me. Say, well, that just sounds proud. No, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. Everybody runs in a race, but only one wins. So run that you may win. You don't, you, you don't get up in a race and say, oh, you know, I just I think it's going to be great. I'm going to come in 19th place. That ain't how you run a race. You don't get into the ring with a boxer and say, huh, I'm going to make it to the fifth round before he knocks me out. That's not how you go boxing. Amen? Anybody in here with a victorious spirit? I just don't ever want to make the mistakes I've made a few in the last year or two. I've talked to some people and then they walk away saying, Oh, I talked to Brother Dale and I got so full of fear. I ain't promoting fear. I'm just telling you how big the giant is. Now go kill him. I ain't here to fill you with fear. I'm just telling you, they're going to throw you in a den full of lions. Now pray and shut their mouths. I ain't here to fill you with fear. I'm just telling you, there ain't going to be no food to eat. So go ahead and take your little bit of bread and multiply it. Ain't no room for fear. Stand up on your feet. I'll keep you here all night if I don't make myself stop. Because this is the living word of God we're dealing with. No word shall be void of the power of fulfillment. You must, friends, listen to me. You must have personal victory. Pursue it. Obtain it. You must walk in the joy of the Lord. It is your strength. You must stay in the peace of God. He is your umpire. We know all these things doesn't matter what the world brings you are the last one standing amen let's worship the lord praise god praise god praise god be a good song john last man standing i'll work on it saying something to you and you've been slow to do it or just haven't done it, if you haven't repented of that already tonight, right now is the perfect time to do it. Say, how do I repent of that? You say, Lord, not my will, but yours. Be done. I will do it. That's what repent is. You change. You decide. You know what? I will do it. I will go. I will do it. I will pick that up. I will walk it out. Yeah, but what if, but what if, but no, no, no. 
No, no, no what ifs. You just step out on the water and let the Lord be under your feet. The Word under your feet. The rock under your feet. I'm going to lead you in a confession if you would. Not a confession of sin, but a confession of what you will do. So just repeat after me if you mean it. Lord, I surrender myself to You. Your will be done in and through me. Father, You establish my footsteps. I will go where You send. I will do as You say. I am Yours. You bought me with a price. And I belong fully to You, Lord. So establish my steps. Give me the understanding that I need to step out and walk, that I need to pick up and do to fulfill all that you want me to do. In Jesus' name, it'll be so. It'll be so. There's no time like today. There's no time like the present. Father, I thank you for each and every one here. I thank you for your word that you gave to us with so much richness. That your word is is alive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that you've given us the name of Jesus. Thank you that you have given the name of Jesus authority and power. Thank you that you have given us the spirit of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have sent and filled us with your spirit, yourself, spirit of Christ. We bless you for it. We welcome you. We invite you. And we ask even for more, Lord, to help us, to give us grace, to give us boldness, to give us confidence, give us the courage that we need, that we can walk into the impossible, pick up and go where those others will not go. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you that you put the air under our wings, that you are the wind in our sails, that you are the gas in our tank. Father, I thank you that your power and that your arm isn't too short to save and to rescue and to deliver. Father, we bless you because yours is the kingdom and the glory forever and ever and amen. Both of you come. Have your hands. I'm going to pray over you. Stretch out your hands to the Lord and to them. And Father, I just lift up Apostle Dale and Terry to you. I thank you, Father, that you sent them to Pennsylvania long ago. Thank you for bringing them to Lancaster. I'm so grateful for that. But Father, I know that the beginning of the book is never nearly as good as the end. Or even the middle sections where things look impossible and big. 
<laughs> Father, thank you for the chapters that are in front of them. I thank you, Lord, that you have raised them up for such a time as this. I thank you for the understanding and wisdom that flow in them. Thank you for your spirit that unites them with single purpose of vision and heart. Lord, I thank you for your protecting angels that surround them, that go with them, that prepare the way before them. I thank you that you've set a path before their feet. I thank you that you establish their footsteps every time they take that step. Father, we bless you. I thank you for the finances that you've brought and will bring to meet every bill, to meet every need. And Father, most of all, I thank you for the anointing that you've put on their life. An anointing to break bondage, an anointing to break yokes, an anointing to speak and see into situations and understand them even before others recognize there is a situation. Father, Lord, I ask you to strengthen and encourage them on the inside, even in the quiet times, even when they're alone, Father, that suddenly they're aware of your presence and greater manifestation on the inside, that infilling of your spirit, Lord, that's what we're asking for, greater and greater measures of it, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And amen. Amen. Well, one way that we love the Lord is we pray, we obey, we do, we act. Right? All right, so love on each other as you go. Bless each other. There's a time of refreshments downstairs. Everyone is invited. song so fabulous don't you feel like you could do anything oh so good John thanks for putting that together hi everyone in the family of God thanks for coming tonight spring has sprung it's beautiful outside beautiful inside we're so glad that you're here tonight with us don't you love your family Amen. so beautiful we're gonna open up with uh, the Word of God and our time of worship together tonight. In Psalms 5, it says, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. In fear of you, I will worship toward your holy temple. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. Let all those who rejoice, who put their trust in you, let them forever shout for joy. Glory to God. Because you defend them. Let them also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround them with a shield. Let's stand up together today. The word of God is so full of his promises that are yes and amen. 
He's not a reneger on everything he has said for you. So let's thank him for that tonight with a grateful heart. Amen. like nothing else, especially when you're in a place that the last thing you want to do is praise. But you are the one. The Bible's full of in the, in the book of Psalms. I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice. I will lift my hands. It's all a part of your will to enter in to God's way of unlocking the keys to, your, to every situation in your life. Praise. Praise and worship. Father said, worship me in spirit and in truth. Not complaining or murmuring, right? But in spirit and truth and worshiping him. Because why? He's a good God. He's a good father. He's a faithful father. He's a true father. He's a father that all he wants to do is bless his kids. Amen. Well, let's just thank the Lord. Just give him a shout of praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're so welcome here tonight, Lord. You're so welcome. Thank you, Lord God. Well, let's turn to each other. And one way we honor God in this, in this house is honoring one another. And one way we love each God is by loving one another. So tell somebody you love them and you honor them tonight. To the throne. Of God, praise is a highway to the heart of God. Praise is a highway to the move of God. Well, good evening, everyone. How y'all doing? Great. Well, we're glad to see our security teams back with us. They were gone for the week. Sure that they had a good time fellowshipping together and learning. Well, we'd like to welcome you here if you're here for the very first time. Can you just give us a hand wave if this is your first time at Church of the Word International? All right. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, uh, you can raise your hand. And the ushers will bring one to you. You know, we don't just go through motions here. We're not just playing church. So we are obeying the word of God. 
And we believe that the tithe belongs to the Lord. We say that like that on purpose, that we're going to return the tithe to the Lord because we believe it belongs to him. Well, if it's his, we shouldn't keep it then, right? Mark 12, 17. Well, why do, why do we say that? Why do we say it belongs to God? Well, it, Jesus said this in Mark 12, verse 17. Jesus said this. He says, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. So we could just, you know, set aside the part there about Caesar, because he said give back to both of those, and say give back to God what is God's. So evidently there's a part that's God's, right? Because he said give parts that Caesar's to him, and what's God's give back to him. So what's God's? Well, you guys are, are, are going the direction that I was going to go. Because I, I was going to point that out. A lot of people say that. It's all God's. It's all God's. Well, okay. Now, now just give me a moment here. <laughs> if it's all God's, why did he say give to Caesar what was Caesar's? So if it's all God's, why do you still have some? There is a part the Lord says belongs to him. Now, I understand the heart. I understand the heart. Because what we mean is it is all surrendered to him. It's all surrendered to me, him. It means that he's my Lord. He's my master. So the way I manage my money, the way I manage my resources is at his direction. But if it's all his, how could you ever give him an offering? Because it's all his. It belongs to him. You can't give me my purse. That's my purse. Thanks. But, you know, I, that wasn't a gift. It's mine. Well, okay, turn over to Malachi. Oh, I know. Don't, don't say, well, yeah, I know Malachi. I can quote that to you in, in my sleep. If it's old to you, it's not alive to you. Okay? All right, Malachi. In three, we're, just, we're bringing out what is God's. Is there a part that belongs to him? And then the rest, as he moves on your heart to do so with your funds. So in Malachi 3, he says this. This is the Lord speaking here in verse 6. He says, return to me. I'm reading the last part of the verse. It says, return to me, and I will return to you. Isn't that such a great thought? You know, if you've walked away from God, you can return. And when you return to him, he's right there to meet you where, you where you're at. You can return to him. All right, well, how? He, he says this. But you ask, how are we to return? And in his reply in verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Okay, in what? How do you rob me? In tithes and offerings. That's strong language to say you're stealing from me. Because you can't steal something from somebody unless it first belonged to them. Now remember, the Lord's the one speaking here. All right? I'm going to bring some balance to this because I didn't, I, look, I didn't write this. It says, return to me. And he says, here's how you return. You've been holding, withholding the tenth, the tithe. And so this is how you return. Now, I'm not trying to make God out to be a mob boss. But he did say this. We're going to bring some other part to this. So the tenth, 
according to the Lord, belongs to him. But now turning to the Lord or returning to the Lord is not just a matter of an outward thing. So, all right, fine, I'm going to return to God. I've been backslidden. I've not been serving him. So I'm just going to come to church and pay the tenth. That's all. I'll live how I want, do how I want. No, that is an outward demonstration where you return to the Lord with your heart. And so turn over to Luke. We'll see something else Jesus said. So you compare scriptures with scriptures to get a full understanding of what the word is saying. So it's not just the outward demonstration. Although there is outward demonstration when the heart is right. Okay? So Jesus said this. Because, see, you can do the outward and your heart be far from God. Jesus said this in uh, Luke 12. Sorry, Luke 11. Verse 42 says, Woe to you Pharisees because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs. But you neglect justice and the love of God. So right here, they are doing this outward demonstration. They have brought, I mean, they are tithing down to the nitty gritty, the produce out of their garden. And he said, you missed it because you don't have love of God in your heart. You cannot return to God on outward demonstration, outward works alone. It's from the heart, and he's bringing that together. But, you know, he didn't say, well, you, you know what? Tithing has done away with. It's unnecessary. You know what? It's all about the heart. He brought them both together. He says, let's keep reading here. He says, but you've neglected justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So did Jesus just tell us in the New Testament, you ought to tithe. But don't do it apart, aside from a heart of love. Do it in love for God. See, a tithe is a demonstration that, Lord, you're my God. I'm surrendered to you. I've got, I'm giving you the right place in my life. But don't just do the outward demonstration and have a disconnect in your heart. Surrender your heart to him. He's Lord. He's master. And that's the kind of individual God can bless when you give him that kind of access. That's the kind of individual that God can use and accomplish things that he wants done in the kingdom, a surrendered heart. All right, so we we want both. We want to do what Jesus said, do what the Lord said, and return the tithe to him, but from a heart surrendered in, in love for God. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we just love you and we want to serve you. We're so grateful to be counted your family. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to tithe. Lord, I'm thankful that we have sources of income, that we have resources, and the many things that you've blessed us with, we're very grateful for it. So, Lord, I ask you to show us how you want us to manage what you've put into our possession. Prompt us. The, the right ministries to sow into, the right um, people to bless. Lord, I just ask that you direct our every steps that we might hit the mark and accomplish what you've created us for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give unto the Lord. This is our um, evening for a mission offering, so that will be We'll do that after the announcement. So, ushers, if you could come back in as soon as possible, and we will 
have a raise of hands for the um, cash envelopes. So we have CityGate Columbia tomorrow. It's not too late to attend that, to show up, to help serve and be a blessing to the people on the streets of Columbia. So um, they meet in Columbia at CityGate at 1115 if you'd like to show up. But if you know that you're planning to show up, please talk to Karen. She would appreciate that. VBS is coming. So... Yay, I know my kids just love, that's a highlight of the year, VBS week. And we appreciate all the volunteers, everybody that always shows up to help, you know, whether you can physically come or whether you can give finances or snacks or, you know, be a blessing in some way. I believe we are signing up tonight for, okay, so pre-registration is available. Um, Also, if you're available to be a volunteer, we would very much appreciate that. How many of you noticed our flower beds outside? Can we give a hand clap to the Schumann family and Amy Espy helped with that? The mulching, the flowers, we so appreciate that. God bless you guys. <laughs> Looks very nice. Um, just a reminder, we have the, um, the box downstairs that's collecting formula and diapers. That still is an ongoing mission, so um, that is blessing the babies of Lancaster. So just want to bring your attention to that. All right, um, if the ushers are back in here, we have a raise of hands. Anybody need a cash envelope for the missions offering? Are they not back in here yet? Am I too quick? Because we're going to prepare to return all your offerings to the Lord. Uh, Troy has something he'd like to share, so we'll let him do that. And ushers, once you have, um, anyone still need a cash envelope? Did we get that handled? I guess once, ushers, once you're ready, you can go ahead and pass the baskets for the missions offering while I let Troy speak. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be here tonight. I just wanted to get up here and thank everyone that was able to be at the Ghana Initiative Benefit Auction last Sunday and for those of you who weren't and who also uh, gave something toward the the ministry. Uh, It was an exciting time that we had. We had loads of people from all over the place there, but many, many people came from here at CWI. Um, And if I was to give out some prizes for some of the best bidders, it might go something like this. So for the person who was the most incredible bidder, who was probably had the most enthusiasm in bidding, although sometimes she tried not to be seen, I would have to give that to Jen. So congratulations, Jen. (laughs) It was actually a lot of fun, and I don't know if people saw me smiling from time to time, but that was because I was smiling at Jen. That, That was fun. Then for the person who was the most helpful there, but wasn't helping in the kitchen, um, but helped at her table quite often, that would have to go to Karen. Thank you, Karen. Yes, because Karen helped. And also the, the, the table that we had for the raffle, we were going to call it the Karen Burroughs raffle table, but we didn't do that because she did donate many of the things that were there. Um, th- there were lots of great things that took place there. I can tell you that we had a... Um, a record set. We, we raised more money this year than we've raised in the past. Yeah. And on, at this point, we're at $18,000 raised. So thank you all. Thank you. And God bless you all. And we give glory to God for everything. Thank you. Well, praise God. It was a 
It was fun being there. Um, I was missing my husband because he normally does the bidding at those kind of things, and I, I just rely on him, hey, yeah, bid on that. I want that, you know. So I, I just, yeah, didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> Praise God. Um, honey, do you want to, Pastor, will you come pray over the missions yes. offering? And I just want to make a correction. You know, this was a give to the Lord, he said to me. And remember, we're not returning because the returning is something you that is his, right, with the tithe. So this was a give to the Lord, our offerings to the missions. Amen. Oh, we don't need that. Hallelujah. I'm sure glad that the Lord has a sense of humor and he gave us the ability to smile and laugh and enjoy things, right? Yeah. 